A reading from Isaiah. The word that Isaiah, son of Amoz, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. The word of the Lord. A reading from Romans. You know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep? For salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away, so too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, you've arrived at the beginning of the new year, maybe a month earlier than you thought, but here we are in Advent, the beginning of the church year. Advent is a word that means coming, and of course we know already, I mean Costco has made it clear since September, who it is that's coming, it's Santa Claus, or, or, um, or Jesus. And so Advent is this four weeks in which we are to prepare ourselves for the coming of the Savior. And you may be wondering why we do it every year, but you know, don't you feel like you could use a Savior this year? If not, I don't know where you've been the last two months in our own country. Next year, 
I am confident we will need a savior again. The circumstances may be different, but the quality of our life will still be in that jeopardy of not there yet. And so these four weeks, as we prepare, we're offered this wreath. Of course, we decorate our homes differently, but the wreath reminds us that we are to decorate our lives cumulatively with love, hope, joy, and peace. To decorate our lives this way so when the Christ child comes again for his 2,000th advent, he will this time find a readier welcome than he has the last 1999, as it were. The wreath guides us, the scriptures guide us. And they offer us, I think, into a practice of how is it that we go about decorating our lives with love. Because if you're like me, it is difficult for myself to, it's difficult for me to feel more in love with somebody because I want to. I really cannot make myself feel more in love with that man on the corner with the brown sign. I cannot even make myself feel more in love with my wife than I do. Not feel. What I can do is practice loving those people more than I already do. I can practice loving that man on the corner and I can practice loving my wife more. And that's my call this week, this Advent, is to grow in the practice of love. And what does that look like in Isaiah? Well, many of you know this reading about beating spears into pruning hooks. I might as well say changing tanks into tractors. And of course, many of you know that after the Second World War, many of our technological advances that turned into tremendous weapons were then, through efforts of imagination and creativity, converted into objects through which cultivation could occur at a grander scale, through which transportation uh, far exceeded what it had been before so that the jet engine, which was initially designed as a weapon, has now been able to connect us with the rest of the world faster and more capably than ever before. I think Isaiah is, is talking about this, right? That even though super glue had a military contrivance, it has a pretty helpful application. The same then with the jet and many of these other developments. And that is when tanks are turned into tractors. That is when the weapons of war, and I think it's important to hear this oxymoron, become the weapons of love. As if love has weapons, but imagine it does. The weapons of love. Part of this practice in Advent must be having gone through some warfare this year, not just in other countries, but in our own, with the way we look at and listen to and talk to and consider one another. We have done battle this year. How can we convert our ways of war from being divisive and destructive to being unifying? I don't mean platforms. I don't mean social media was invented as a weapon and now we have to sanctify it. No, no, no. No, I'm talking about something I think much more basic than that. 
the attention we give other people as outsiders, the attention we give other people as annoying us or being wrong, can we imaginarily use that energy and make a turn to practice loving them instead? And much of this, I think, has to do then with the scripture we hear from Matthew. It's strange to start out the church year with this apparent warning that Christ is coming back and you'd better be ready. And of course, many of you already know that the best-selling fiction series of all time is not Harry Potter. It is the Left Behind series. In which imaginarily describes Jesus coming back with essentially a very big and pointy and fiery and eternal paddle called hell. And you'd better be ready. Because if you're not, Christ will not hesitate to throw you there. It becomes really difficult to hear this passage, frankly, any other way than that. That Jesus is coming back with a big ugly stick on Christmas, kind of like Santa. Except Santa gives you a new chance every year. Jesus will not. He will give you one. What does that have to do with practicing love? Well, I suppose it depends how we hear it. If we hear it in the way of the Left Behind series, well, take it seriously then and get ready. Start loving other people or else. If that's where you hear it, then do something about it, right? I think there's another option which people for a long time have really had to deal with. I think probably every generation since, within every generation since the time of Jesus, there has been the idea that we'll be the last one and eventually that will probably prove correct. However, um, for many, many years, right, people have been wrong about that. And so, what do we do in the meantime? If Christ's return is not imminent, what do we do? Well, of course, we keep practicing. <laughs> we keep practicing, not knowing how long it may be. Of course, it may not be in our lifetime at all, and that shouldn't bother our practice, I think. It's another message we might get. I want to suggest to you, though, there might be something, a third alternative. I'm sure there are more than three, but a third alternative that occurs to me, and, and um, if you don't want to do, if, you, if one of the other ones is happy, look at the window pictures, so you'll get something more meditative out of that than what I'm going to do now. Um, I'm going to ask you to walk a strange, a strange trip with me here uh, for this third idea. You know, our brain grows in different stages. And the brain that we're born with is very small. And just to put it in perspective, you know, our brain is about the size of both of our fists put together. And the brain we're born with is about the size of our thumb. It's called the reptilian brain. And, you know, it controls instinctual responses because, you know, reptiles, a baby lizard knows as much as its mother or father, which is not much. It knows how to fight and how to flee and how to freeze and how to reproduce. Those are the four F's, right? So we're all born with this instinctual reptilian brain, except we're mammals, right? Babies are not able to survive on instinct. I'm waiting for when um, 
<laughs> how old that's going to be, right? Uh, but at least it's 10 or 12 before our, 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 our frontal brain starts to grow. And of course, you know that makes us inefficient as mammals. A baby lizard can be dropped off. A baby human takes, again, 10 or 12 years to cultivate, to frankly think in ways that are different than the reptilian ways. A reptile can't be bothered taking care of its young. That endangers it. But of course, we live in a mammalian way, right, where we expose ourselves to danger on behalf of our children at least. It's a different way of thinking. In fact, most of our higher level thinking is thinking because it doesn't come from the reptilian brain. You don't have to think to use this. It happens automatically. And what's funny, right, is that we have developed this ability to think, and yet these impulses are still strong. So psychologically, when somebody criticizes us with words, it strikes our nervous system and our reptilian brain as if it were a threat with a fist or a knife. It releases those same chemicals, adrenaline and cortisol, that make us either pop up and get ready, or take your shirt off and curl you however it is you want to do that, right? Or start running the other direction, <laughs> or just freeze. You had one of those emails at work recently? You know what I'm talking about. That one where it was just words on a page, but you sure felt your heart rate start going up. Maybe you got a little bit of a sweat, maybe your mouth got dry. Same thing that happens with a physical threat. Why did I tell you all of that? Because I think if we hear this passage from the gospel, and gospel means good news, as God's threat to us, how can we possibly respond in any constructive way? If God is threatening us with a paddle that's got hellfire on it, the only thing we can do is fight, freeze, or flee. What if instead, though, God isn't a reptile? What if instead God has got some higher order thinking? What if this passage is less about the evil and the havoc God will wreck unless we're ready, and more about what God can do whether we're willing or not? The passage doesn't say where the persons, the people who get taken, it doesn't say where they go. So what if, as we practice love, and notice there's always pairs here, what if practicing love means that we try to grind grain with somebody who is frankly unable to do it at this moment in their life, and even if it still doesn't work, God can take them and rehabilitate them. What if it means we go out and we harvest with people who are unable to harvest? We support them, and if they're unable to be rehabilitated now, good news, God will do it for them. See, there's no, there's no mention of judgment here. Just be ready. Be ready. If this hits our reptilian brain, then I've got to tell you, I don't want to be grinding grain with somebody else. I want to be better at grinding grain than somebody else. Because as long as I'm better than them, there might be hope for me. This bit about the ark, you know, I wonder, is it threatening us 
Or is it suggesting to us that maybe God's going to pack the ark with people that we don't think should have a ticket? There's always choices when we hear scripture. We're just so used to not thinking that there are that our imagination might be suffering. Imagine who might be on the ark that you don't want on there. Who might God be calling into the ark of salvation that you don't want there? Could you feel in love with them? I don't know. Could you practice loving them? I think you could. Could you reimagine this passage not as a weapon, but as a call to be ready? As a call to help people you don't want to help. I think if we could do that, then we could do those things that those wonderful people did with super glue and with jet engines. They could figure out how to take weapons and turn them into plowshares. The weapons often of our lives are different from guns, although not always different. Different from tanks, although not always different. Advent asks us to take our weapons of division and destruction and have them be transformed so that when Christ comes, we will be ready. Not because we're afraid of judgment, but because we are joyful at his advent. You see, the truth is, it's not that Jesus only comes back one more time. We do advent every year, and if we're mindful, really, we do it every day. We say, God, you are bigger than my reptilian brain, than my fears and my worry. You are bigger than that, even if I'm not. You are bigger, and I will make room for that biggerness in my life. If we worship fear and adrenaline and cortisol, we are not called to anything greater than ourselves. We are called to the lowest parts of ourselves. We have this opportunity in Advent to do something greater. To trade our weapons for plowshares. To bring about an Advent not in just our own lives, but in our world, which if you see it like I do, could use one now. Really, now. You only get a week to do this, I'm going to warn you, because next week you're going to have to work on hope. But this week, this week, practice. Practice love. Decorate your life with the practice of love so that you can hope next week.